0: What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead.
1: Thanks, Jackie. We are looking at the letter of James. And through the summer, we've been just looking at the different uh, wisdom that we receive through the letter of James. Godly wisdom as James speaks uh, by the Spirit's uh, leading a word of truth, a word of wisdom into our lives. And so this morning, we are up to James chapter 2 verses 14 to 26, where it talks about uh, faith and deeds. And so our text, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Congregation of Jesus Christ, this morning, I want to encourage you to reflect on your walk of faith and to consider how fruitful, how fruitful it is, what what are the things that that you do as a result of your faith? Because to truly uh, a living, healthy, growing faith is fruitful. It, it cannot be unfruitful because, because God designed us to have faith and then to live it out. Just like if you have a tree, an apple tree in your yard... The tree, if it's healthy, if it's growing, then it bears fruit. And so that's that's the wisdom we want to take hold of this morning around a question: Is your faith? Is my faith? Is it fruitful? To look at what fruit is is being uh, displayed. Now, James, in this letter, is is presenting. The truth of the gospel. James is, as we said earlier, uh, a brother of Jesus, a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus. And James also knows the Apostle Paul, who has taken the message of the gospel and shared it with the Gentiles. And so the, the whole truth of faith, God's grace, God's forgiving grace in Jesus Christ, is at the very center of what James is writing here. But he stresses now, if you have that faith, if you believe fully that Jesus is the Son of God, that God sent him into the world to, to explain and to tell of God's saving work, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave for your salvation. You know that, you understand that as much as we can understand that. You, you believe, then... Godly wisdom says you live that out. Now, let me give you the contrast that, that our culture tells us. Our culture says, oh, fine, fine if you believe that. Fine if you think that that's true. But don't, don't, don't do anything with it. That's just for you, in your head. And make sure you don't tell anybody, you don't proselytize, you don't, you don't stand up for Christian things or do godly things particularly because, because that's all just, just for you. If it's good for you, it's good for you, but don't bother me with it. And especially don't do anything with it. And so that's the wisdom of this world. Faith is fine, it's just yours and it doesn't mean anything for anybody else, and don't do anything with it. That lie is attacked here or con- confronted here in James' true godly wisdom, because sometimes we get caught up in that lie. And we think, oh, my faith is just in my head. And if I just believe it and I don't need to do anything, I don't need to go to church, I don't need to do anything, I don't need to pray, I don't need to, uh, nothing. I don't need to tell others or, or help out in any way. As long as I know in my head and I think that I know that maybe, yeah, this is true, okay, fine, done. James says, that lie is completely false godly wisdom understanding what god has done god grants us faith so that we can live it out and to not live it out is foolishness is ridiculous so for example uh just two examples of how foolish it is to to have faith and not live it out uh I heard an example to this in, in relation to finances and investment. And if, if you come across, uh, you find out that there is a very good investment. That if, if you invested in this uh, project or property or business, if you invested in it, then it, it is an excellent investment. And you know, and you look at it a little bit, and you understand a little bit, and, and you think, yeah, if I would invest in this uh, financially, then that would, be, that would be excellent. There would be a good return here. But then, but then over the next couple of years, you don't, you don't actually receive any return. Why is that? Because you never actually acted on your knowledge. You never actually invested any money. That you heard about this investment, you knew it was good, you trusted it, and it, it, it was indeed excellent, but you never invested anything. Well, that's ridiculous. If you know it, and you're sure of it, then you act on it. And to not act, in our world, Completely apart from God, you'd say, well, it's ridiculous if you don't act. But somehow, in terms of faith, we can get it, oh, wait a minute. No, faith is different. If I have faith, that's fine, but I don't need to do anything. No. And another example, medicine. If you have, if you have a doctor who tells you, that you need a particular medicine and he explains to you why you need it and you understand why you need it and you talk to others and they, they say too, yes, that medicine is so good, excellent, and, and yet you don't feel any better. Next week and the next week and next week you don't feel any better because you're not taking the medicine, you're not doing anything you know in your head the medicine is good the doctor said it was good everybody else said it was good but you don't do anything you don't take it well that's ridiculous and it's the same with with if 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 you think with faith you don't do anything with it that's ridiculous wisdom of god true faith that is What we live out, we do what we believe. And that is where life is, where hope is. True faith without action is useless. James is saying true faith needs to move and moves naturally from our head to our heart to our hands to our whole self, living every day for our God. That's godly wisdom. Very practical. Touches our lives at every point. Faith lived out is true living. Now let me give you another uh, contrast that, that, that our faith wants us or, or directs us to do things in response, right? Now actually... Actually, there is a constant pressure, apart from God, apart from faith, in our culture, in our world, to do things. Like, we know how to do things. And in fact, part of our culture is, is people are doing things. Man, oh man, are people ever doing things. You talk to people, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going here, I'm going there. Morning, evening, weekends... People are, are busy, busy people doing things. And that's what our culture preaches. Be busy doing things. Go places, do things. Uh, find entertainment. Be involved in the latest and greatest thing. And so, so with this Pokemon thing too, we have people doing stuff. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I had one of our, our young adults was here in church and uh, she caught a, an Eevee in my office. She was thrilled. She was walking around and, and there's lots of Pokemon in our church. <laughs> so you're doing stuff, right? All the time. This is what you do, do. And people are risking their lives because you, you have to do this stuff. You have to be involved. People are doing things, running around, busy, 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 feeling dead tired. But there's no real understanding of why. What are you actually accomplishing? If you collect all the Pokemon, if you run here and there and everywhere, if you are busy, busy, busy all the time, why are you doing that? And there's a lot of doing, but there's no understanding. What's your actual purpose in life? What is your actual goal finally? Generally, people without God would say, well, I'm just trying to, trying to keep busy. I'm trying to, trying to find some happiness. I'm just trying to have some fun. Well, that's okay as far as it goes, but, but why are you really here? What is your life? plan and purpose? Is there a God? Why are you born now? The Lord, our creator. What is the, the true goal of living in this world? And if you push people a little further, if you ask them, what is the point, what is the purpose, they look at you kind of blank. And, and like James says here in verse 17 and 26, you are, you are dead. There's a real deadness. You were you busy. What did you do? I went here, I went there, everywhere. Well, what now? Well, I guess I have to go more here and there and everywhere. And What do you have to do to, to feel happy and satisfied? Well, I guess I have to do more. More and more and more of what? I have to go see this more and eat there more and do this more and, and go on this ride and that ride and, and, and watch more here and there. And why are you doing that? That's, that's, that's all there is, right? Well, if you don't have God in your life, if you don't have Jesus in your life, yeah, you better run and do everything you can because soon you're going to die and that's the end and that's the end. Too bad. That's a very dead, very dead life. No purpose, no goal, no understanding that you are created in the image of God. That's who you are. You have no idea. And God loves you and intends you to be happy in Him. You don't have to do all this stuff. You can just be at peace in Him. And just live rejoicing in who He is. Enjoying what He gives you. Serving and helping others. It's a whole different vision that James is trying to get across as the people are struggling in terms of who they are. And so, back to the original question. Is your life actually fruitful? Not busy. Our lives are busy. Okay, is your life actually fruitful unto God? And that you feel too satisfied, happy, content, at peace in who you are, and how God is working in you. In this particular case, in this particular letter, getting back to, is your life fruitful? The letter makes the point to people here that James is writing to, the particular audience that James is writing to, are scattered believers. There has been persecution in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And the Christians have been forced to scatter. And so they find themselves out in, in different places. Uh, they, they are fearful of persecution. They are fearful uh, that they will be ridiculed and, and harassed for what they believe. And there is a threat of prison and even death. And so we talked earlier about Stephen in Acts 7 where he was the first martyr. And many, many of the believers that James is writing to are thinking, oh, it, it would be safer for me, it would be better for me not to actually show my faith at all. I'll just keep it in my head and I won't do anything. I won't show my faith. I'll keep it separate from my life. And that's, that's very much how we are tempted to live in Canada and the U.S., even though we don't really face that many threats at all, but that, that we are told to keep your faith private. So that's, that's the type of, of, of difficulty that they are encountering and, and that you just blend in. Blend in as a Christian. That, that your neighbors don't know, that no one at work knows. You just live and act exactly like everyone else. It's like you're driving out to Nordeg and beyond and there's all the black spruce in the bog. All the black spruce and they're all the same. And you don't stand out. You make sure everybody's just exactly the same. But if, if you planted an apple tree along the road among the black spruce, that would stand out. And that would be a fruitful tree. God says... Be fruitful. James says, stand out. Bear fruit. Stand out in faith. Live for Jesus. serving God and others. That's, that's godly wisdom. And that drives out fear. That we don't have to be afraid. That we can stand up for our faith. We can go forward in faith. Joyfully, thankfully in our God. Our God will bless us. He will protect. He will guide. And so that's why there's two examples here later in the passage, Abraham and Rahab. Two examples of people uh, active in their faith, acting out their faith, and I just want to close by just looking at those with you a little more closely. Verse 21, Abraham, who we read in Hebrews 11, is a hero of faith. This man was a hero. He understood in his mind, in his heart, who God was, and he acted on it. So God said to Abraham, I am God, go, go to the land of Canaan. And he went. And it was scary, and he wasn't sure, and there was all kinds of uncertainty. He went in faith, and God provided wonderfully. So the mention of Abraham here brings all that to mind. And even a little further, when it says specifically here in relation to Abraham, God said to Abraham, uh, to sacrifice his son. It says here, uh, his faith in action, verse 22, verse 21 and 22, when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. And that's, that is, is a great act of faith by Abraham. Abraham was called by God when everything seemed to be coming together. And Isaac was there, and so God's promise of a great nation, and he was in the land, and, and things, things seemed to be coming together. And then God said, too, just, just when you think you have it all together, then you start to think, I don't need God, because I got it all together. And then the, 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 real, the real step of faith again is, no, go ahead, trust Trust in me. So when Abraham is told to sacrifice his son, he he has to struggle. Who do I who do I trust in? Do I do I sacrifice my son? And 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 in in that too, just just not trust myself, but trust God. And then even the sense of self sacrificial faith. And so that's that is definitely a fearful challenge because we are very protective but that we would, we would be self-sacrificial, look further than ourselves, our own interests, our own control, that, that we would step out in faith, even there, when it, it, it would be challenging for us, difficult for us. It says specifically in Hebrews 11 that when Abraham did that, when he actually was, was willing to sacrifice even his son, it says in Hebrews 11:19 that he believed that God would raise his son from the dead, that that's how much Abraham believed, that, that even if he gave up his son, God would raise him from the dead, say, "Wow, that's, that's a lot of faith, but that's, that's the same faith we are called to have. That's the same faith because we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. We believe that that can happen and we believe that that did happen. And that's what's being pointed to here. When when we put our faith in God, we have the assurance even death is not a hindrance to what God is doing. And even as, as Abraham believed Isaac could be raised even as God showed that he raised Jesus from the dead, even as God says to us, I will raise you from the dead. I, God says, will raise you. Do you believe that? Then you can go forward in faith no matter what. That's what we believe. And so the reference of Isaac brings us to the truth of Jesus, which is our faith, our hope, our certainty. So we we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear ridicule or loss or uncertainty or even death. And in our bulletin every Sunday, we have stories in our bulletin, accounts this week from Pakistan, of people who are Christians in Pakistan. If you read the bulletin there, they went out, To bring Bibles. And they risked death. And they were okay with that Because they know. As we know. That not even death can separate us from the love of God. And so that's how strong. How amazing the faith is that God wants to give us. That we can live out. That we can go forward. In the wisdom of God trusting in him. The example of of Rahab is along the same lines where she, in Joshua 2, hears about what God is doing and she believes. She believes God has called these people and is bringing them into Canaan and is going to defeat Jericho, that great and powerful city. She believes it all and she acts. She risks her life to save the spies. And she is rewarded an amazing fruit of faith. Knowing who God is and living out what we believe makes a huge difference. We don't have to be afraid. Our faith is the center and we can go forward acting on it in all kinds of ways. James talks and encourages that active faith when he says in verse 15 and 16 he he picks up on how that can be lived out just an example here the application in terms of uh, those who are naked and those who need food we touched on that from the matthew passage where jesus says that faith lived out let faith work itself out How can you show the fruit of faith? Faith always shows itself in good deeds. It always bears fruit. As we are encouraged each Sunday being renewed in Christ, we see the world in a new way. We are called to godly wisdom, not a place that that we don't live taking as much as we can but giving ourselves to others. Radically different. A striking contrast. An apple tree among a whole forest of black spruce. Someone who doesn't just take and take. No, someone who gives of themselves for Christ and for others. Jesus says it's better to give than to receive. That becomes a natural outflowing of who we are. That's what James is getting at as Christians that we go forward in that way. So I challenge you to step out in faith again this morning, to consider what God has called you to do. Reflect on where you might be fearful. And then to trust God and to go forward in faith. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, by their fruit you will know them. That's our witness. And in John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. It'll just be who you are. Say, what can I do? How can I help? Where can I share the love of Jesus? This morning, I have just two very uh, small examples of how you might be able to help. We are getting ready for our Vacation Bible School stuff. And we have this this little invitation. I put one in each of your mailboxes. And I would ask if you prayerfully consider about inviting someone to come to our VBS. Take the card, go across the street, invite somebody to come. Personal invitation is the best. You say, hey, our church is putting on a Vacation Bible School. We've got people dressed up, doing all kinds of great stuff. It's going to be encouraging. It's going to be great. Come, bring your kids. So for each of you, a little challenge. Say, well, well, I don't know. I don't know my neighbors. I don't want to talk to them. Well, well go. I know it's a little fearful. But go. Say, hey, this is what's going on. We'd like to invite you. And there's all the details here. And it's uh, also with the website that they can even register and they can check online what it's all about. And so it's made just to be very inviting. But as you go and invite, that's a beautiful thing. I would challenge you to do that, first of all. And then we just have a few other things around VBS. You'll see in the bulletin, We're doing the parade float, which is how we uh, advertise. So if you can come and help out for an hour Friday night or join us. If you've never been in a parade, we'll put you on the float. You can sing. You can wave like the queen. We will get you up doing things. Just fun. Good news of the gospel. The joy of the Lord. So that, that is always the funnest thing. And then VBS itself, the whole week, if you could help on the mornings, just in a little bit, here and there, we would be so appreciative and you would be so blessed. So the question is, how are you bearing fruit? Go forward in faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that continues to guide us into the wisdom That we are your children, that we belong to you in life and in death. And that as we put our faith in you, Lord, things change. We are able to live in a way that just honors and serves you. And we pray that you would help us not just to be busy in ourselves and with ourselves, for there is no true joy and peace, but that we would be serving you. Lord, we thank you for the many opportunities you do give to serve. Now we would take advantage of those in the church and around us in the community. We thank you for much that is already done in this church and by members here and how you are blessing that. And Lord, we pray that you would continue just to give us the wisdom to live for you in thankfulness and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to respond in singing a song of thanksgiving.